0: KC, the Meltdown Show is back after the Aggies beat Mizzou thirty-five to fourteen this weekend, and we're going to talk about that. But we got something else to talk about.
1: We've got a lot to talk about. Not a lot on Mizzou this week because it was a crazy college football weekend and a lot of weird on the field and off. And we're going to talk about all
0: of that. But you want to dive all into Mizzou of, real quick? All of that and next. All on the meltdown show. Next. All right, let's talk yeah. about Mizzou. Like you said, we probably oh, spent a lot of time here. Victory scotch. God dang it! I almost forgot. Oh, all right. Listen, God. man, I'm not even ready. Well, listen, you do ready, that. You talk about Mizzou.
1: All right. So we played Missouri this weekend, and uh, we won, and it was fine. You know what? I wanted to say after the Alabama win, because I think we need to back up a little bit before we talk about Missouri. Um, All I could think about all week after that Alabama win was actually the 2018 Clemson game. Yes. Remember that? I do remember. remember how close we came to winning that game? And after the game, the look on Jimbo's face, is stuck with me for a long time. And I think about it periodically, because what I saw was a guy that came in, said, you know what, there's actually some talent here, I've got to get them to buy in, came in with a top team like that into your house early in the year, and you were so close. And the look on his face to me was like, "God, if I just could have squeezed that one out, these guys would have done anything for me.
0: I remember you know this. I mean?
1: Yeah, and and although I'm very happy with the direction Jimbo's got us headed right now, you do think what what if every once in all right? Like, what would that have done for the trajectory of the program under Jimbo for that recruiting class that season and all of that, um, and the and the buy in? And so we finally got one of those. Right? There's been opportunities throughout you know Jimbo's tenure, and we finally got one. And all I could think was, what's this gonna do? You know? And you and I talked about after the game, what does this mean? Who is this team now? What's now possible for them as we go throughout the season? And you thought winning out's a very real possibility if you get that Zach Calzada, that kind of effort from the team, that kind of execution, right? And that kind of Oh, how would you say it? Just the discipline of the practice and the faceless opponent and all those things Jimbo talks about. Uh, if that's who we are now, then this team should expect to be favored in all of these games going down the stretch. And a ten and two season and an eleven and two season is a very real possibility. And so, you really wanted to see what are we going to be this weekend against Missouri? Uh, and I think if you were Hoping to see that, you didn't get it. No, and I, and, and I think you saw that on Twitter and TechSags and all that. That's the frustration in the fan base. Um, that's what people were hoping to see, and they didn't get it, and they're disappointed. And I think that's yeah. being mischaracterized as being malcontent or just wanting to be mad at something.
0: Would you agree? I would agree, and I'm going to tell people why. While you take care of the soch, okay. So just gave you the link. All right, so get out on the soch and get her done. Stop saying soch. All right, I finally do have my victory scotch. But no, look, you're right because you listen to the radio and some of the media, and they're uh, lambasting fans for being upset. And I want to talk about this thing, this upset uh, mentality. It's not being upset to break down and, be, and critique a football team's performance and, ev- and evaluate against the expectations that a lot of people had coming into the game. Now, I don't necessarily think that you and I had extremely high expectations for this game. We didn't. No. We had talked about that before. But I think we hoped felt like... maybe. But not oh, expectations. Yeah, you hoped you would see a completely dominating performance. But the expectation was go get a win, probably an ugly win coming off of a Alabama. You know, upset like what we saw last week. You're gonna have a football team at 11 a.m. in Mizzou High School Stadium, high school atmosphere. Nobody's there. Uh, I mean, it it looked like you're going out for your kids' soccer game on Saturday morning, uh, and nobody wants to be around, right? Like right. everybody has somewhere else to be. That's that's what it feels like every time we go to Missouri. Mm-hmm. And it was no different. And look, the football team actually, 95% of the football team showed up. Not only showed up, but actually I thought played really well. It, now, there was some sloppiness. There were some penalties that killed some drives. had you know, hit pass. You got a lot of weird things happening in the football game. But all in all, Missouri never stood a chance in the football game. And, you know, imposed their will on them on both sides of the football. Yeah, they gave up 14 points. But that's an offense that can score, and we ran all over them. Uh, The difference in the football game being, you know, what it was versus being what we all hoped it to be was, frankly, the quarterback. And the quarterback did not play at the level that we saw last week. He played, in my opinion, much closer to what we saw the previous two weeks in the losses than what we saw against Alabama. And for us, that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Because like you said, what can this thing be on the back end of a huge Alabama upset? Where can this team ultimately go? And that answer hasn't changed. It's going to go as far as QB2, who's now QB1, goes. I think on Saturday, it just gave us pause. And he didn't play horrible. He didn't. It wasn't
1: Mississippi State, but it wasn't wasn't Alabama either. And I even said after that Alabama game... Look, you know, it's going to be up and down. Uh, I made a crack about regressing to the mean. Let's just hope that as the season goes on, uh, we regress for fewer and fewer possessions a game. And I think that's it. And maybe we see that performance we were looking for this weekend.
0: You know, yeah, against South I, Carolina. I, maybe we do. Maybe. Maybe we do. But, because here, here's the difference. There, because there's two aspects to, the, to Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada. Zada's game that you have to pay attention to one is decision making and two is accuracy i really didn't have any problems with the decision making i thought he actually ran the offense pretty well mm-hmm. looked like they were in the right place looked like the right reads most of the time but on saturday the issue was the accuracy it was and it, yeah. ironically it was the easiest passes that he struggled with the most because he made some tremendous throws in that football game Unbelievable. But it was the easy ones. The ones where a guy was wide open, not just in the flat, okay. I mean, we we could spend all day talking about those misses because those are huge plays with how Missouri was playing us. And to complement the run game. Like that would to hit those plays would have been devastating to what Missouri was trying to do. Right. But then there were some down the field where they're touchdowns, man. They're touchdowns if you put the ball where it's supposed to be. And when he did, big plays. When he didn't, Things just went south. So, look, I, I guess, I guess if I had to look at it upside, I'm much happier with the decision making, and that's going to keep paying off if he continues to get comfortable running the offense. Uh, it's just, man, are we going to are we going to see an accurate quarterback on any given weekend? I don't really know. Uh, guess what? By the way, this is exactly kind of what we saw from our last quarterback on any given week, and by year three. In the system, a lot of that has started to iron itself out. Right. Yep. Uh, so, so now it's a good. I don't point. know, guys. That's what it oh,
1: is. Was it? It was a good point. What? Awesome, it was. Thank yeah, mean, it. I mean, the defense played mostly good. There were some busts uh, that was a little frustrating too. I don't know. Again, the, you the know what though? There was a lot
0: of drives. A lot of drives for the defense that were extended on some very questionable officials. Very, Very questionable. questionable. So, two you know,
1: things two absolutely point. garbage pass interference penalties or, on Jalen Smith. Um, Jalen Jones. Jalen Jones, I'm sorry. Not...
0: Yeah. Not, not Captain Celebration. Linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the six-yard game? Yeah. So, yeah. Look, anyway. I, I don't yeah. have much else to say about the Missouri game. I didn't really learn much about my football team. To be honest, and on uh, to the next one. I agree, South Carolina.
1: That's about all I'm interested in saying about it either. Uh, overall, it was a great weekend, though. Again, Aggies again. Uh, the fighting Gundies, the fighting forty-year-old men roll into Austin again and get a win. Oh my uh, God,
0: that game was in Austin. Yep. Yeah. In front of all their recruits that they had in, Mm -hmm. because this was the highlight of their home schedule. Yes,
1: because a uh, supposed top 15 Oklahoma State team that uh, I believe at some point during the game I said was trash, and someone this was moments before they took the lead, I think, in the game, and someone was like, oh, you still think so? Yes, I still think so. I thought so all week. I thought so four weeks, and I thought no matter what happened in that game, Oklahoma State was trash, and it made me so mad because I thought Texas was going to win the game. I thought all week they were going to win the game, and they were going to get credit for beating, to be fair, a mediocre Oklahoma State team, not a, not a trash team. Um, and it looked like they were. And then again, in humiliating fashion, they lose it by getting two 200 to 1 yards. Is that right? I believe that was your okay. tweet.
0: I tweet. rounded up. It was 170 yards to one. Oh, may as well be 200. In a that quarter. Was, not in tweet a, was a little Yeah, in a quarter. In a quarter. So, that tweet was a little bit of horn bait because I just, just dying was dying for some horn hard. to point out <laughs> that it was only 170 yards, not 200. Only 170. Yeah. yeah yeah two um, weeks in a row and and honestly i'm watching that game and uh with some ut fans by the way which was even better i could, they kept offering to let me watch the A&M game and i said no no my game's in hand i don't need to watch it let's watch this one okay my really want to on. watch this hang on okay texas was up double digits at the time okay but i could see what was going to happen because i'm watching and Oklahoma State can run right through them. And I'm going, just keep running the ball, fellas. It's going to work out for you. And I just sat back and I enjoyed what I got to see. And they, oh, again, they man. kept, they're, oh, you know, I don't really care. We could turn it off. No. 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 We're going we're to stick no, with we're this. we're going to watch this. Yes. And that was. <laughs> How many whiskeys did you have at that point? I, look, man, I was dry at that point. So, oh, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, no whiskeys. No whiskeys needed. That was all of the. Uh, that was all of the libations I needed. Was that game gorgeous? It was perfect, and we got to see Iowa, another trash team. Yes, finally uh, come down to reality. Right, but dude, you lose by three scores to Purdue. That's uh, at home, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, as a number two team in the nation, that's <laughs> not a look. That's not a yeah. last second field goal. Uh kick got run back on you, changed momentum. No, Purdue just line up and beat him. Just line up and beat him. And, you know, we've said all along, Iowa can't score. And, you know, oh God, I'm watching College Game Day. And I'll actually give them credit because the question presented to the College Game Day panel that morning was, is Iowa really the number two team in the nation? And to their credit, none of them said yes. They all felt like, man, in any other year, Iowa is a you know, 11, 12, <laughs> uh-huh. 13, but it is what it is. So I'll at least give them credit for that. Um, yeah. and, it, and it turned out everybody's right, except for the voters. Right. for the voters. Mary, You want to talk crazy. about that for a little bit? Oh, my goodness. I will let you talk
1: about that. Oh, Why don't no. you tee that up? Well, let's start by... Uh, I don't even know who kicked it off. Someone didn't like somebody's ballot because they had Alabama ahead of Iowa, is that correct?
0: Is that That's what it was? Correct. And,
1: and somebody ahead of Oklahoma or vice versa, I don't remember. Uh, but they had their underwear in a twist over Alabama being ranked ahead of Iowa, and you asked the question. Just ask the question. Just ask the question. What would the line be if Alabama played Iowa today?
0: Actually, my question was, what would the line be if Alabama played number two, number three, or number four team in a country at the time? (laughs) So I think we were looking at Iowa, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. What would the line be? What
1: would the line be? And boy, did you realize how wrong you were by even asking that question. I know. What a silly question Can you believe it?
0: Yeah. Because resumes and merit. And
1: merit and all kinds of pedantic bullshit ensued on Twitter over, over that question. Because apparently, did you know that, uh, rankings, AP polls and whatnot are, are so vastly different from a power ranking, which is essentially who would beat who, right? Supposedly in the minds of some people on Twitter, right? Uh, that it's in- crazy to even ask. Um, to which is an opinion based on just an extremely flawed premise, which is that there is a material difference between a poll ranking and a power ranking, other than the methodology right you yes, computer power rankings you have yeah i don 't know the way some idiot with a podcast runs his own ranking systems, right um And the way the voters are supposedly supposed to rank. And and so it's silly to even ask the question. It's not fair. It's, well, the voters are supposed to vote on the best resume, uh, and as if they're not supposed to consider which team is actually better. This is such a bonehead flawed premise. Of course, when you fill out your ballot, you are saying which teams you think are the best teams in the country, and if you rank somebody ahead of somebody else, you're saying the higher ranked team would beat that team. Now, Correct. you can sit there and and, and and wax poetic about your AP journalistic integrity and how long you've had a ballot and how you go about it and how you view the resumes. Uh, but this notion that they are somehow not trying to derive a list or ranking of who the best teams in the country are is Completely false. All right? So if somebody has a problem with a ballot, and you say, you know what? That writer or voter thinks Alabama is better than Iowa. It, it is perfectly valid to say, you know what? Vegas agrees with that voter. Probably to the tune of, I don't know, 17 points. That's my guess. That's my guess of what the opening line would be. If I, I I don't know. But... Sure. But I, this whole discussion drove me absolutely crazy because at one point it devolved into uh, trying to tell me how great Iowa's resume was, right, and the quality wins they have, and how therefore it's better than Alabama's, and it's unfair to rank Alabama ahead of it.
0: Um, and when you by really the way drive Casey, home, uh huh. By the way, not not just better, better by a mile. Yes. Yes, uh, trying stupidity.
1: to trying to link me the um, oh what is it the guidelines for the AP voters that this guy yes. can't read and hasn't doesn't understand himself he's trying to use it to prove his point but um, which all it really says is uh, don't use uh, blue blood bias or they they worded it some other way don't use the preseason rankings
0: mm. these are all great
1: guidelines right very important mm. because um. While they're not supposed to use the preseason rankings, uh, this pedantic idiot on Twitter was trying to tell me how good Iowa's resume was, whether he realized it or not, based on the preseason rankings. Because, and this is, this is what's broken in the process, right? It's why we even have a college football playoff. What is the effort to take the decision making out of the hands of the AP voters for precisely this reason? Because whether they admit it or not, everything that happens in the rankings as the weeks go on. Now, it gets, it's better in week 10 than it is in week 5, okay? But everything that happens cascades down from those preseason rankings, whether they want to admit it or not. And whether this poster admits it or not, that's exactly what he was doing. He was crediting Iowa with wins that he said were good and quality. But his only basis for that is a preseason ranking that had Iowa State for some reason in the top ten, okay? And mm. a Penn State team that has now gone way into the top ten, right? And Iowa beat them, even though Penn State was getting ready to roll them until their quarterback. That's right, correct. But regardless, also, guys, is an idiot. Super idiots. It's all, yeah. good. it's
0: all good, man. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an argument worth having over and over and over. Yes, As, you know, part of it's what makes college football so great. Part of it. But listen, part of it. What else happened on the college football weekend that uh, we should take note of? Oh, we need to take note.
1: Everybody did take note because the Gators rolled into Baton Rouge. Is that, what you, was that where you were going at? You want to I'm going where here? you want to go, so oh, let's go to Baton Rouge. So the Gators roll into Baton Rouge, and... Let's say the immense talent that is in Baton Rouge and always is,
0: uh, took over the game, won the game. So Edo, who we thought is on the a very hot
1: seat, right? Uh gets a top twenty five win at home and all of a sudden all hell broke loose. Yes. Yeah. And yes what it we did. learned is essentially I mean, we've learned many things, but what you can read out of this weekend is that the decision to fire Ed Orgeron happened weeks ago, and Scott Woodward was not going to let anything derail that, and so they decided to pull the plug right now and fire him mid-season. He's going to finish the season, uh, but he's done. He's a lame-duck coach.
0: Uh, A rarity in college football. Very rare. Very rare. So yeah. yeah, now Ed O with a negotiated reduced payout mm-hmm. will be done at the end of the year and will continue coaching. Uh, which by has uh, well, it's not his full buyout. So I guess there's been some negotiations, and they're going Still to pay 17 him seventeen million
1: dollars. It, it is
0: seventeen million. It is yeah. okay. Okay. Uh, but anyway, they came to an agreement. And, yeah, I love the move by Woodward because, like you said, he was not going to let this become a less Miles situation, which is how they ultimately ended up with Ed O in the first place. (laughs) So he wasn't going to let the Cajun Mafia uh, derail what he had put together. And make moments Mm -hmm. say, Scott Woodward has a plan. Scott Woodward knows who the next coach at LSU is going to be, which – brings us to actually our main topic of the day. Because as everybody out there in uh, in Aggieland knows, uh, Jimbo Fisher knows Scott Woodward very well. They're great friends. They've been great friends for a long time since their days together at LSU. And the national media has taken upon itself to let everybody know that they believe LSU could come get Jimbo Fisher at any time, whenever they want even though they failed twice. So, you know, Scott Woodward changes everything, whatever. Uh, A&M, you know, enjoy it while you can. The coach that we actually don't think is very good uh, right. and is over overrated. Uh, right. But uh, LSU, a much better program, can come get him whenever they want. And so this whole process has just stirred up the dust all over again, despite what A&M did with the contract. Um, g- coming into the season, so I, I want this to go where you want it to go, because I know that you have a, a lot of thoughts, and I'll turn it over to you. Um, we've had a ton of fun on Twitter all afternoon <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> flambang some of the national guys, you know the the normal uh, Twitter brigade that just shows their rear ends on a on a you know every weekend. But where do you want to go with this?
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, let's back up because you you brought up a great point, and, and that is, it must be tough being a national media member. Uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel because it's it's extremely hard to keep track of where you're going all the time. Let's talk about um, I, I, the word buyout gets brought up a lot with Jimbo Fisher, and it's and it's brought up in multiple ways. Number one, uh, we are stupid. Because there's no buyout in his contract okay and and there's actually two kinds of buyouts so uh, the one first we're called dumb for is the fact that his contract is fully guaranteed so if we were to decide to fire him this year there is no pre-negotiated uh, buyout in the contract it's just the full ninety five million dollars you owe it uh, whereas there are sometimes contracts where they say okay you get a six six- year contract if we have to fire you after two years we don't pay you for the remaining four we'll maybe only pay you for two or something like that right um, so that's how we're stupid number one now <clears throat> of course that was before the LSU job opened up now we're criticized for not having a buyout for another reason now we're talking about uh, what it would cost another school, To buy out Jimbo's contract from us. In other words, sometimes you hire a coach, you agree to a salary, and uh, you say, we want you to be here six years. And if some other school tries to hire you away and you leave, you owe us some money. Or rather, the school that's hiring you ends up paying that money, right? Somebody owes the money. Somebody owes the money. And therefore, we are idiots for not having one of those in Jimbo's contract. Uh, because now LSU can get him for nothing. Uh, And so Edo was fired this week, and the national narrative is immediately switched from Aggies are stupid for paying him that much and not having a buyout in case they want to fire him to Jimbo is so great that LSU is going to hire him away and you're stupid for not locking him down with some sort of uh, buyout. To keep somebody from hiring, and 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 I want to talk about that because for some reason A and M is the only school criticized for not having this kind of buyout the contract, or essentially, right? Uh, our our good friend Thomas Campbell on Twitter put together a list of kind of the most notable buyouts in college football, right? Nick Saban, zero dollars. Okay? Uh, Kirby Smart, four hundred thousand dollars. Jim Mullen, two million dollars. Lincoln Riley, two and a half. Devo, $3 million. Uh, James Franklin up at Penn State, $4 million. Uh, these are fairly big names. And coaches like this have a tremendous amount of leverage. And so they're never going to agree to a large buyout. And that's because these buyouts aren't for schools like a and to keep someone like LSU from stealing their coach. They're for schools like UT San Antonio. To keep a Power Five school from stealing their coach, right? Which is inevitable if they're any good. Somebody will come take them, and when you're UTSA, you know that's a fact of life, and you want to get a couple million dollars out of it from the school. And good for you, okay? But please, everyone out there who is hearing about this nonsense from the national media and maybe their horn friends or something, understand something, okay? LSU just paid Ed Orgeron or 17 million dollars to go away right that was the buyout in his contract and we've talked about that before how that averages out over the course of the contract and it's an astronomical number compared to Jimbo's nine and a half million dollars a year but whatever so they're going to pay him 17 million dollars to go away then to hire Jimbo supposedly the bidding starts at 10 years and 95 million dollars you understand that too right that's pretty obvious, and that's why, you know, Billy, Lucci, We've said it a hundred times. The bu- the contract is the buyout, and this is what we mean by that. You paid him seventeen million dollars to go away. If you want to hire him away from Texas A and M, the bar is now nine and a half million a year, guaranteed for ten years. Okay, we're almost one hundred and seventeen thousand or or one hundred and seventeen million dollars is what it's going to cost to hire Jimbo Fisher. And you think for one second that a 2 and a half, $3, 4000000 million buyout paid to A&M for stealing their coach is going to stop a school willing to do that? It's not going to stop anybody. It never has stopped a Power 5 school from stealing a coach. And it never will. So quit crying about it. And these guys in the national media should know better. And that's the frustrating thing to a and fans, right? We're so tired of the constant pivoting back and forth between you're an idiot for paying him to you're an idiot for allowing a school like LSU to take him so easily. And now you bring up this buyout number and you know it can't actually matter unless you're still hammering it. And that's where a and fans get really ticked off. And people want to accuse us of being too sensitive, or constantly claiming the media is out to get them. And say what you want about that, but we're tired of them suddenly not being able to do their job when it comes to A and And it does seem that it's very selective. Like they just turn off their brain when it comes to A and right? And so, you know, I—that's that, my rant, I guess, right? Because, uh, and I said earlier today. You start to get frustrated when they're not doing their job over and over and over again. And at some point when they refuse to do their job like that, you start to think that is their job.
0: Right? Yeah. I, that I to get it wrong over
1: most... and over and over again, and nobody calls them out or nobody does anything about it, maybe that is their job. Maybe yeah. that's their that's maybe that's what they're being told to do. They're,
0: they're yeah, being told their... to do it. They're either yeah. being told to do it, or they have just all decided that that's their path to fame. That's how they've gotten to where they are, is by being antagonistic and provocative and, you know, facts be damned. We're just going to keep pumping a narrative. And it seems like, you know, that to them is the easiest narrative, I guess. I just, I do think that there's something to this, and we've actually talked about this before, with A&M in particular. and. Jimbo Fisher. And, you know, I think there's some media members that we know for a fact have, uh, you know, something stuck in their craw when it comes to this man. And the fact that he left Florida State and came to A&M, something that never happens in college football. He left a premier program, right? A, a Blue Bud to go to a lesser job. Um, it's just... And ignoring all the reasons that it happened. And just put all that over there because it's so much easier to just pump this narrative. To just keep feeding the masses the red meat that they think they need. And it is frustrating because if you call them out on it, which I feel like we actually, and you actually did a very good job of today. uh, Even provoking a few of them into responding and making even bigger fools out of themselves uh, in the process. Uh, but that's that's just easier for them. It's just easier. Because like you said, if you stop and you think for two seconds, you realize that these talking points, uh, they're, they're ridiculous. They don't make any sense. And I think anybody that's actually close to either one of these programs, whether it's a program or the LSU program, when they start talking about the list of candidates, guess who's not on it? Jimbo is not okay. on it. Jimbo Mm-mm. Right. But that's not good enough for the people who just take the easiest path and who just, you know, they're trying to get the clicks and everything else. And it's fine. But like you said, I, I thought you that was perfect. If they're if they're consistently not doing their job as members of the media, journalists, talking heads, whatever it is, then it becomes pretty clear that this is just intentional at the end of the day. They're intentionally misleading people. They're intentionally ignoring facts, and they're just going down the path of just throwing things out to people so they get their clicks. They're just clickbaiters. That's all they are.
1: Yeah. And, you know,
0: I should say, we're
1: not hearing, actually, like, LSU insiders, right, are not really talking about Jimbo very much. Uh, No. And I think there's a reason for that. Uh, I, I think Jimbo was at the top of Scott Woodward's list. And I think Scott talked to Jimbo about it in the offseason and maybe in the weeks leading up to the season. And I think that's exactly why we saw the extension uh back in August, right? That came out. Because um I think Scott Wilbur knew that he was probably gonna have to fire Edo, even though certain media talking heads that we've that we've mentioned uh have tried to tell us even as just a few weeks ago, that Edo was doing a better job than Jimbo, right? But uh, I think Correct. Scott Woodward's a smart yeah. guy, knew better. Um, and let's go back to what, how Scott Woodward handled this when he was at A and M, because I think it's very interesting. I think heading into 2017, Scott Woodward knew that he was probably going to have to replace Kevin Sumlin, um, and even earlier than that, I think Scott had thought about what would it take for him to get Jimbo to a and uh, because of the relationship that you had talked about. And then we opened up the season with that horrific loss to UCLA. I'm not going to talk about it. Anymore. And I think we all knew his fate was sealed then. Okay. Uh, and, and actually if you go back on Techsags, I want to say Billy brought up Jimbo's name very early, almost in passing as a possibility. If, you know, it was very early. It wasn't, you know, 100% a done deal that someone was going to be gone. But, you know, if he went, we had Jimbo Fisher,
0: blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think we are zeroed in on his guy early in that season. And if a situation had come up where all of a sudden,
1: you know, it looked like, someone may have saved his job with a big win or something. I think we would have seen exactly what we just saw at LSU with Woodward firing someone mid-season. Right. And not letting that momentum wreck what he was doing with Jimbo because he knew it didn't matter. It had to go. And, And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that news leak prior to the LSU game that year, the last game of the season, Was't weren't the rumblings not not that Jimbo was coming but that someone was out no matter what
0: i think I think that's correct. yeah, I've I seen I absolutely correct
1: for exactly the same reason don't don't let the fan base get all hyped up uh, over beating LSU, um, who I think also wasn't that great at the end of the year, but still it's lSU, right? Um, and so we've seen how Scott does this before. It's all kind of starting to make sense. Don't let the LSU fan base or the team somehow try to save Edo's job when you have pretty much already locked down your guy. Um, And I don't think that guy is Jimbo. Um, Like I said, I think Scott tried and moved on already months ago, uh, and that led to Jimbo's extension. And, you know, so, and I think that's why you're not hearing Jimbo mention that much Around actual LSU insiders. So right. that's our spiel on not panicking over Jimbo leaving. Now, we all know what was said today, and and I have to be honest, I loved hearing Jimbo in that press conference. It didn't really change the way I i felt about this at all. Like, n- nothing he said today, and I know this is not a popular take, and I'm not trying to back up Danny Cannell because he's an idiot anyway, but like, if, it, it's not that I think he was too emphatic, like Br- Brando said or anything like that. I just, it didn't change how I felt. I, I didn't think he was going to go beforehand. I don't think he's going to go now. It doesn't really matter to me that he, you know, what he said in his press conference, which if anybody doesn't know, it basically all the coach speak kind of stuff. I love A&M. I'm uh, very happy here. I intend to honor my contract, all that stuff. Hmm. You know, it was more emphatic than we've seen from coaches. I, I will not deny that, but you know, well, uh, here it was I'll a lot I, more emphatic.
0: I would disagree in that it was the traditional coach speak, and I, there was a bunch of yeah. parts of those quotes that came out of it that a lot of the the journalists who were present were tweeting, and and then I went back and actually listened, and I was pretty shocked at sort of the the intentional depth he went to to communicate right. his happiness and satisfaction with the situation at a and right? mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, hey, I'm happy here. This is a great place. I love my job. It was everything about a and has exceeded my expectations. And I'm really, really, really happy with it. Mm-hmm. He, he specifically called out administrators the athletic department, uh, the alumni, the the commitment to facilities, and then he pivoted to his lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. For him and his family. Uh they is the two properties. Right? Yeah, the properties that he has bought, the hunting, the fishing, uh, the way that he's been in you know a part of the community. Um uh, you know, he's not a celebrity coach in College Station. He's our head football coach. And I think he's really comfortable with that and the way that and, and then he even uh, talked about his family. He talked about his kids. He talked about the foundation and how and that's really important, by the way. He talked about the foundation and the response that the AM and m community uh, has, you know, the attention and the commitment that they've shown to that, which if. Anybody is really familiar with the Florida State situation? That was a point of contention (laughs) because he actually wanted to establish this uh, charity, this foundation. And there were people high up at Florida State who actually felt like that was going to divert attention from their fundraising elsewhere within the university and pushed back. All right. So, you know, there were so many things like that that was a crack in the foundation that allowed Scott Woodward to think it was possible to even go back to the AM brass and the, you know, the authorities in the athletic department and say, guys, I can get him. Now you do your part. Okay. We're going to do something crazy. The college football world would call us crazy. We're actually going to take the issue of a contract off the table. It's not even going to be, on the table as a negotiation we're going to go to this man and we're going to say here's something that signals to you we will do whatever it takes and all of those reasons that the that Jimbo Fisher had for potentially leaving Florida State uh, just grew and grew and grew over time to the point where we came with that deal he's willing to go that is what he told you today what he told the media today was None of those things exist here. None of it. I'm, I'm completely satisfied with my situation. The contract mm-hmm. is still not an issue. It's not even on the table. These people have shown every commitment possible. And I was really impressed with the depth and the extent to which he went to explain that to people today. Uh, you know, without, you know, doing the thing where you, you, you say, I am absolutely not going to LSU, right? But he, what he did say was there's nothing there. So, I, you know, look, I I thought it was uh, – I, I was worried when I went to go listen to it that I wouldn't hear some of that, and what I got was a lot more than I was expecting in its entirety. So, you know, from that perspective, I felt like he slammed the door shut and that's where I got really, really agitated with, you know, the idiots that you could tell didn't listen. Uh, the Tim Brandos of the world, who, like you said, a couple of months ago was telling us that Edo was actually the better coach. okay, uh, Of the two, he would take Edo. Uh, go back and listen to the audio. That was the gist <laughs> of the conversation. Yeah. All right. And he said it at a time where A&M insiders, people who are very well connected in the college football world, would tell you, I'm not sure Ed O gets through this season because they knew all the things going on. Because guess what, they know Scott Woodward, mm-hmm. and and they they're connected to insiders in Baton Rouge. They know the story. These people do talk, and so you have national guys running around, you know, pumping up LSU in the off season. When anybody who pay attention knows that that was a that was just a cancer waiting to fester, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was not any sign of trouble from a football perspective, and it was going to go south in a hurry, big time. And it just went south a lot faster than we all thought it would with the UCLA game. And, you know, we said after that, that team will quit on because yeah. he had lost the control of that program last year. Nobody wants to say it. They don't really want to say it, uh, you know, after what happened to them last year. Well, it was just down here. They lost a bunch of guys. No, that was a team that was not playing well and not really playing for the program and the pride of the program. Yeah, they had some wins. Okay, they did. And that was a bad situation. So, again, it is – Jimbo Fisher's not going anywhere. The national media can go jump in a lake, and they're going to have to eat that turd sandwich. Uh, (laughs) Well, I say they'll have to, but that's just it, right? They won't eat it.
1: No, they'll move on and – Nothing happens, nothing ever happens.
0: Nothing ever happens, but I do think it's yeah. important, and you know I'll credit Billy for saying this, yeah, at, people should out on Twitter stand up for their football program, and they should fight this stuff. They absolutely should, and yeah, I guess it gets these guys these idiots' clicks and everything else, but at the same time, you don't just sit back and let it happen. You don't do that, so you know, no, anyway,
1: especially when they've been so disingenuous, even the one that Really drove me crazy. Was was it Mandel? Is it Mandel? It was because uh, he even replied to Billy on Twitter today and said, "Well, I don't think anybody seriously thinks Jimbo's going to um, to LSU." When just two days ago, Mandel is promoting an athletic article. Who's his employer? Fair enough. uh, Where the headline is who are the leading candidates and the thumbnail picture is Jimbo Fisher. Yes. Uh, I think it was, who's, uh, it was an article by Feldman, I think. Right. But, but, and then Mandel was, you know, promoting it. And, you know, and so that's why I was like, are you serious? Nobody really thinks that. Then why are you doing this? Like, and that's when it, it really starts to boil over and just like, you guys have no shame. You have no credibility.
0: Uh, and you never own up to it. No, and you know, look, yeah, you know, Brando. Again, we talked about his. I mean, guy's just he's he, I, he's just do he's that smart. He's not that plugged yeah. into what's going on in the yeah. sport anymore. And uh, you know, tweeted tweeted at him, and his response was, "Hey, man, chill out. Chill. I don't yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, then why don't you tweet that? Yeah, why don't you tweet that you don't think he's going anywhere instead of? Saying, oh, well, I, you know, I think he's really uh, overselling uh, his message today. Yeah. And we'll see. Yeah. Right? That's uh, basically, you know, saying, "Ah, oh, that's a little too emphatic for me. That seems suspicious. Yeah. Let's just sit back and watch how this plays out. And then come back at somebody who calls him out and say, <laughs> hey, chill out. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, what are you doing? You know, so, again.
1: How about make fun of your friends in the media who are pushing the story?
0: No, no, not going to do no. that. No, no. not going to do that. Clowns, no. all of them. Yeah, they are clowns. All right, man. What else we got today? What do we have? Uh, we have a game next weekend. We got
1: a game coming up, South Carolina. You know, another one that presents a bigger challenge than Missouri, right? I think, uh, just from a physical profile standpoint, right? That is true. Uh, um, not going to run like we did against Missouri, at least in the first half, I don't think. You know, let's talk about something. I, I don't know. I Because the day of the Missouri game, the morning, there was news broke that uh, Jameer Johnson was going to play left tackle. Right. And Kenny Green was moving back to guard, which was a different offensive line lineup than we saw against Alabama. Right. Um, Alabama, it was Kenyon Green at left tackle, then Trainer at guard, Bryce Foster at center, Layden Robinson, and uh, what's his name? Father at a right tackle. Right. And everyone said, don't change anything. I heard that all week, and I was like, "Why not?" You got Trainer in there. I don't know. You know, yeah, it worked against Alabama, but Trainer is who he is. I don't know. Um, I was just—I didn't really care. Whatever the the coaches roll out there on Saturday, fine with me. And sure enough, it came out: Junior Johnson's healthy, uh, Trainer is out, Kenyon Green moves back to to guard, and people lost their minds and. I don't know. It worked out just fine. We were good. I, I want to. Po- I just wanted to point out something to everybody. Um, I'm fine with Kenyon Green at tackle. I think he's our best, most talented offensive lineman, and he seems to be able to play any position he wants and be effective at it. Uh, but the reality is Kenyon Green is a guard at the next level, right? Yes, I think, that's, I think so. That's how he projects in the NFL. He's a guard really talented guys um, who play guard in the NFL. A lot of them played tackle in college because they were the best guy on their team. That's just how it works, right? Um, But I'm never going to get mad about Kenyon Green playing guard if the coaching staff thinks they've got a serviceable option at tackle because Kenyon Green's going to murder people at guard. It's his natural position. Um, And it seemed to work out just fine. So everybody chill out. I don't know what the offensive line lineup's gonna be this weekend, but um it's it's gonna be okay. Uh the right three guys were all the same against Alabama. They killed people this weekend. Bryce Foster really seems to be you know picking it up, making fewer and fewer mistakes. Um, you should go follow Bryce Foster's calves on Twitter, got their own Twitter account. They're like, I don't know, twenty inches around or something ridiculous. But uh, whatever. Beat the hell out of South Carolina. This is another one that we should win. It might look messy every once in a while, but
0: whatever. Enjoy the ride. Got a pretty good football team. That's right. And with that, I think we're done for the week. Pizzou, breakdown, Jimbo Fisher to LSU, rumor rant. Good job. Appreciate it. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Follow us at Meltdown Eggs on Twitter. Or if you're really uh, interested in. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. MeltdownAggs underscore Dark Side. That guy's got some hot sports opinions. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. See you guys next time. We're All that in next. Awkward wave. Awkward wave. Always the awkward.